Welcome to the Vulva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. Today we're going to talk to Dr. Michelle Jacobson, who is a menopause expert gynecologist in Toronto, Canada. Hi, Dr. Jacobson. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about changes that you see in menopause in the vulva and vagina? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the most commonly recognized changes that doctors and probably patients now appreciate when they go through their menopausal transition is a dryness inside of the vagina. And that dryness can be associated with abnormal discharge, with bleeding, with an itch or a burning. And sometimes it's important not just to write those symptoms off as menopause, but actually make sure that there's not a vulvar or vaginal dermatosis or problem that's coexisting with their menopausal symptoms. I think what's interesting is that even though we recognize that these things happen in the vagina, there are similar changes that can happen to the vulva as well that are likely overlooked because we don't have evidence-based treatments and much of what we use in the vagina we extrapolate to use on the vulva as well. But women will get cracking with intercourse if their introitus is dry, they might have pain with intercourse, they might have vulvar itch. And as I mentioned, some of the more common vulvar changes are more prone to occur after menopause happens. Do you see any differences in the skin when you look at it? Sometimes. So we get some loss of labia minora that can sometimes just be from adhesions from their menopause and their dryness. Sometimes it's because there's coexisting lichen sclerosis or lichen planus, um, but usually those symptoms tend to be a little bit more obvious, more of an itch or more of a burning. The dryness itself can cause bleeding and cracking around the vaginal introitus, the posterior fourchette, uh, that might present with pain during intercourse or just with pain in general, pain wearing clothes, pain wearing tight pants. Women tend to have more incontinence later in life and might get associated bladder dermatitis on their vulva from the constant leakage or the pad wearing. So it's really important to sort of distinguish between these symptoms much less common to get a yeast infection once a woman is menopausal if she's not using any hormone replacement therapy, yet everyone seems to refer to any vulvar or vaginal symptoms they have as being a yeast infection, so teasing that out on the history is really, really important as well. We also notice a loss of fat in the labial fat pads in menopause, and that can be associated with more pain or a change in the way the vulva looks that is displeasing to the patient or confusing for the patient, and we can certainly just reassure them that that's a normal change. And do you see a lot of these symptoms right after menopause within the first few years? Or is it tend to be worse the more years you've been in menopause? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, you know, the classical symptoms of menopause, like hot flashes, night sweats, those symptoms tend to be worst in and around the final menstrual period, the several years leading up to it, and then the several years after it. But they do tend to get better in time. And that's in uh, contrast to vulvovaginal symptoms, which tend to worsen over time. So the longer somebody is without estrogen, the more likely they are to develop vulvovaginal symptoms. Would you think it's fair, though, if they were fine, totally fine, and then all of a sudden they're 65 and they start having major issues, that's when you start wondering maybe that's a dermatosis and not just 
Absolutely. I think that's fair, but I also think that there's probably a role for treating both. There's very little harm to using vulvovaginal estrogen therapy. These are local therapies that have, I would say, almost no contraindications to use, although of course our care is individualized if women have certain risk factors, and we do everything in conjunction with opinions from other specialists. So we really try and take an individualized and um, integrative model where we work with the other specialists that the patient's being followed by. But absolutely, if somebody has a, a new onset symptom that isn't really gradual, we need to have an index of suspicion that this isn't just menopause and there may be something else going on. As soon as you bring up the word estrogen, so many patients get scared. What do you tell them? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, This all goes back 20 years now to the Women's Health Initiative study where women who were taking estrogen for years all of a sudden stopped taking it. Prescribers who'd been prescribing for years comfortably and having great patient satisfaction stopped prescribing and patterns completely changed because of a study where the average age of women was 63 looked at using systemic hormone replacement therapy for amelioration of cardiovascular risk factors and found that there were more cardiac events in these women when they were started on hormone replacement therapy. Since then, there have been several subgroup analyses done, several other studies done that have looked at, you know, when is it safe to use hormone replacement therapy and for what reason? And the bottom line now, and this is supported by the North American Menopause Society's um, 2017 hormone replacement therapy position statement, is that care should be individualized and that estrogen therapy is safe in the right women. So when the window of opportunity hasn't passed yet, and it's within sort of 10 years of a final menstrual period, starting hormone replacement therapy isn't necessarily associated with significant cardiovascular events. Estrogens have always been associated with a slight increased risk of blood clots in the legs or in the lungs and with stroke, but not in the same way that they were studied in the Women's Health Initiative study. Breast cancer doesn't seem to be significantly elevated by taking hormone replacement therapy, especially when estrogen alone is used. And everything I'm talking about is for systemic hormones. It's for women who need hormones for hot flashes, for night sweats, for mood, for other systemic symptoms of menopause. When we're talking about local symptoms, so symptoms from the vulva and the vagina, fortunately, we can get away with applying local estrogen therapies, which are very low-dose systemically, potentially even negligible, but work in a concentrated fashion on the tissues that they're supposed to be reaching. And we're privileged that we're able to actually use them for those symptoms because if a patient has an isolated menopausal vulvovaginal symptom, she doesn't need to take the risk of using systemic HRT, especially as she gets later in life. She is able to just use local therapies. So the bottom line is I tell them there's very little risk to using local therapy on their vulvovagina, and I don't even need to get into the breakdown of the bigger hormone replacement therapy studies because those results simply don't apply. So you can use local estrogen alone and when someone's on systemic estrogen if they still have local effects like vaginal dryness vulvar dryness you can combine the local uh, totally so that's a common myth that if somebody's taking systemic hrt that they can't use additional local therapy they absolutely can and that's the way to get that added estrogen where it needs to go to the vulva and to the vagina similarly as you mentioned if a woman is using local estrogen therapy she does not need any progestin for endometrial protection perfect there's our three types of vaginal estrogens your cream your ring and your tablet do you 
have a preference when people have vulvar symptoms about what to do? Well, that's, I mean, a loaded question, because if you think about it, if you're inserting a tablet high up inside the vagina with an applicator or a ring high up inside the vagina, and by definition, these are low-dose therapies, you can imagine that they're not going to reach the vulva very well. We don't have a lot of data out there about whether the vulva has a lot of estrogen receptors in it, but anecdotally, we definitely see improvement when women are rubbing creams onto the introitus, to the fourchette, and potentially to the labia minora. So that's where I would recommend using a cream over one of the inserted options. So when we're using topical estrogens and we tell patients it's off-label on the vulva, what would be a common way you tell them to do it? So they're always usually going to be using their estrogen therapy both in the vagina and on the vulva. I usually recommend they start using them in the vagina every day for two weeks, usually at nighttime, and then go to using it twice a week. What I recommend they do is use the applicator for the vagina and then take a little bit on their fingers and smear it around the opening of their introitus. In the world, there's different topical estrogens. Do you think there is evidence for some creams better than others on different formulations or not? I think there is evidence that some of the different estrogens work better than others for different things. In Canada, we've got two different formulations of creams. In the States, they have an estradiol cream as well. We have estrone and conjugated equine estrogens coming from different companies. And then some people choose to compound their own therapies So there used to be a product in Canada that used vaginal estriol, and that's still available in Europe. And there's some evidence that that works well for the vulvar atrophy symptoms, but maybe not as well for pruritus. That being said, everybody seems to respond differently, and I think that the benefit in having lots of different uh, options in our armamentarium is that we pick somewhere to start, and then we individualize therapy based on somebody's response. Do you know anything about using DHEA? Yeah, so in the States, there is a pharmaceutical-approved intravaginal DHEA supplement for, or medication, I should say, for pain with sex, for dyspareunia, and it has good evidence for it. Um, It seems to have a minimum of side effects. Women tend to like it. We don't have it available in Canada, but it is something that could technically be compounded or available from buying in the States. And again, just another option for pain with sex specifically. Is that used in addition to estrogen? It can be, yep. Um, sometimes we also compound topical testosterones with estrogens for vestibulitis um, and vestibular pain in menopause. What kind of dosing do you do when you do that? So I usually do 0.1% testosterone with 0.3% estradiol in a glycol or aquaphor base. So if we counsel our patients who are complaining about dryness and all these menopausal symptoms about even just using topical estrogen, sometimes even only the vulva, because they say, oh, well, I'm not using my vagina. I don't care about it. And we say, okay, can you just use on the vulva? But they won't. Then what do you suggest they try? Yeah, great question. So what's available is either something commercially available or something that you would just buy over the counter and sort of use off-label. So the off-label things that tend to work really well for moisture are just petrolatum or Vaseline is one of the trade names for that, applied to the vulva for moisture. Uh, Coconut oil, shea butter, anything that's going to be non-allergenic for them, not cause irritation for them, but bring moisture can be really helpful. If they have incontinence and symptoms from wearing a pad or from bladder weakness or from leaking, I usually get them to use some form of a barrier, 
ointment or a barrier cream, like uh, anything with zinc oxide in it. Um, usually diaper rash cream is something that they can look for easily. And of course, to follow good vulvar hygiene, not wearing a pad, which I'm sure you've talked about in some of your other podcasts. Um, in terms of their vaginal dryness and options that are non-hormonal, there are glycerin suppositories that can be used. They're sold under the trade name Replans, and there is also um, hyaluronic acid suppositories or gels that can be used that are available over the counter, and those are going to be in Canada your Repagyne ovules or your Zestica or Gynotroph gels, which are very um, hydrophilic, so that means that they pull water to the area. They make it feel much more moist than it was, um, even if they're not actually at a cellular level repairing the cells like the estrogen would. So they're not more elastic. They're just more wet. Wet. (laughs) Dampness. So a lot of people don't realize that their skin becomes more sensitive as they age. I like to give them the analogy that little kids have sensitive skin, and then as you get older, your skin gets sensitive. Do you have any other sort of things that you use? Like analogies? Well, I always tell women they're like a fine wine. They only get better with age. Um, But no, I think that women really just need to remember that a hundred years ago, women weren't living as long as they were. They weren't working outside the house. They weren't having sex into their menopausal years. And it's unfair to expect your vagina to behave as it was when you were 25. It's normal to need to use something to keep the vagina moist and elastic after menopause if you want to keep having intercourse and feeling like it was before your menopause. So a lot of women feel really self-conscious or down about themselves or down about their relationships if their arousal and lubrication has changed after menopause or if their sexual response has changed or pain with sex. And I usually just reassure them that this is completely physiologically normal, but it doesn't mean that it has to be the way it is. And it's safe to use these therapies and to use lubricants during sex in order to bring their vaginas sort of back to where their expectations are for that anatomy at that point. And for people who are not using their vagina for sex, but say they need steroids for one of the dermatoses like lichen sclerosis, do you have an opinion about topical estrogen when you're using steroids? I have an opinion that if there's an indication for topical estrogen and or for topical steroids, both should be used as needed. So when somebody has a condition like lichen sclerosis or even like a simplest chronicus, they tend to get much thicker skin there that needs to be treated with the steroid in order to keep that dermatosis under control. Similarly, if they are lacking in estrogen, they might need the estrogen to help with the moisture and elasticity and rugize around the vagina. So I think that if you need the therapy for your problem, you shouldn't be afraid to use both. Great. Do you have any take-home points or last things you want our audience to hear today? I guess the one thing that we didn't talk about is, you know, when it comes to sex and sexual intercourse during menopause, I usually tell my patients, as I said, not to expect their vaginas to act 25, and for the same reason they shouldn't expect to be able to have sex with a 25-year-old erection either. So if your partner's using something like Viagra to give them a stronger erection, it may not be compatible with an 80-year-old vagina, even with all the estrogen in the world. So, you know, we age together gracefully for a reason, and maybe people need to remember that. That's great. Thank you so much to Dr. Michelle Jacobson, our menopause gynecology expert from Toronto. Thanks for having me.